Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time about. for Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. To those of you who are listening to the Motor Mouths, thanks for sticking around. You're now listening to Mortgage Matters here live on... 23rd? KVEC, right? We're still about, KVEC. We're still KVEC. We just got new, I just had this, new digs. I had this moment of panic. Wait, did they change the call sign too? No. Okay. <laughs> Looking, <laughs> Looking all around. Not, Where is it? Where is no. it? Yeah. No. All right. Yeah, yeah. We are still KVEC. That's right. We're still 920. We're just in a different place. Yeah, we're yeah. just in a different building. That's all right. Okay. Yeah. Still getting used to it. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. We're uh, we're gonna have a great show. It's a live show, so I mean that's it's awesome. That think, knocks it up to at least think, a seven or an eight right there. I think pretty much like ninety nine point nine percent of the little bugs have been knocked out now. Good, yeah, good. Mm, we're gonna yeah. have a bug free show. I think so. That means we can take callers too. Mm-hmm. Callers. So we'll be taking callers throughout the show. Yeah. In fact, sh- the bat phone is still here. I they see were it. gonna take the bat phone out, and I said, you know what? No. I want the bat phone. I thought, what happened to the retro vibe? We I were was going to do here. like you know the retro vibe. You know, matches your chair and matches uh, Taking Mike's over. chair. Yeah. You know, so I was like, you know, yeah, yeah. No, I want the bat phone. Leave it. So now we're gonna hang up I all think. the pictures and stuff like that. You know, that's the next thing. Once the carpet gets How about done. the carpet, the yeah. carpet the is carpets. getting done. Yeah, the carpet's getting done. Okay. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I told the papers, I told painters to accidentally knock over a can of paint. Out in the, you know, the pit, the mosh, out in the mosh pit out there, you know, <laughs> right. the green room area. Yeah. Just accidentally kick it over. You know, it might be an improvement. Yeah. So they're getting like, uh, they're getting like the carpet there. Getting the cool. Carpet. Yes. Carpets always last. <laughs> yeah. Carpets always last. Yeah. Always last once everything's done. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're here. As you can tell, it's not Jason, it's Mike. Hey, everybody. Hey, Welcome back to another Mortgage Matters. Yeah. You're like a regular now, huh? I'm getting there. Good deal. It's convenient that the place is like 0.8 miles from my house. Probably be seeing a lot more of you. Still didn't walk today. I thought about <laughs> it at like 8.30. I'm like, I can walk there. And the next thing you knew is like 8.49. And I'm like, no. Nah. I'm going to throw it's Dan under the how bus. Many, how many little tasks you can find before you get out of the house. They got the trash, <laughs> water the dog. The dog needs another head scratch. <laughs> yeah. Just one more. One more scoop of food. All right. Well, it's going to be a good show. We have some guests that will join us around 9.30. 9.30. Yeah, Who do we we'll, have on? We'll have Brad DeNike and Landon. Um, from Nordstrom? Their, yes, Nordstrom. Thank you. From uh, local appraisers here in town. I'll let them introduce themselves when they come on. It's quite a long name, almost like a law firm. So That's it, right. it'll be interesting because there's not a lot of those appraisal companies left. Most of the appraisal companies are just solopreneurs out doing their job with uh you know the appraisal management company so this is a company that decided to stay more or less uh you know the old school way and they're going to tell us about what they do it's very fascinating company they're not just your average you know appraisal company that just focuses on mortgage appraisals so we'll get into those details cool it's gonna be great yeah i had a chance to have coffee with them yesterday so it, it should be a pretty lively show we've already got some good rapport 
I think the other thing that's nice to talk about, um, just the fact that, you know, we're right in the middle of, and, and I think people know this, it's, it's on every commercial, it seems like, the GOP... Um, the campaign happened. It's done. We're, and the we're, convention. The convention. Yeah, that's right. And we got the Democratic convention starting on Monday. Yep. So we're right. And it's on the forefront of everyone's mind. This is an election year. <clears throat> and it's interesting to see. I always people tell me, oh, we got to get our refi done or we got to get these things. We got to get our, our mortgage settled before the election's complete, because after that, it's just going to go crazy. And I don't know. I don't know if that's ever really. What is the data on that? Do you know idea? <laughs> well, I know leading up to an election, you have uncertainty. So, <clears throat> excuse me, in those, when there's uncertainty, when there's that inability to forecast out, you know, more than a couple months, um, you see people go to what's known, where there's guaranteed returns. So we see a lot of money in the bond market um, during mm -hmm. those times of uncertainty. And the presidential election here is no different. You know, whether it's some economic turmoil abroad or sure. our, our own presidential election, they'll both have a similar I impact, I think, on the markets. Right. So the people, I, I don't think it's a bad call, actually. I think we don't, we, it's not one of those, I think when you have the, the, I don't know what you would call it, the after a president's been in for four years and then they're rerunning, yes. you don't necessarily have the same level of uncertainties if that person's likely to get reelected. Yes. You kind of know what's coming, f four more years of the same. So this one's a little different because without a doubt, we're obviously going to have a new president. Sure. So there is uncertainty. January 20th, <clears throat> 2017. So yeah, I don't think that's a bad move. I'll, I, I'm three years running. I, I would not listen to me as far as what direction rates are going to go. I've been proven to be wrong. Well, I don't. I don't think. I think it just starts off the conversation today. Is that you know the the nation is in this period of like uh, cause and effect. You know, cause and effect, cause and effect. We talked about it last week. You know, Brexit happens end of June. Oh my gosh, the you know what's going to happen, and the the markets react, and then boom, take off. I mean, like a sprinter. And so now investors are thinking, well, wait a minute, like is now is the Dow Jones inflated? Are we in a position where, you know, maybe we should start selling off and maybe we should go back into bonds and investors don't do both. You know, they don't do bonds and they don't do stock market at the same time. So it's interesting as far as uh, just if you just get into the numbers and analyze where we're at right now, I think there's a possibility that for the rest of the year, we're going to see interest rates that just stay right in this little window because of the election, what's going to happen because of, you know, situations where, um, you know, I don't know, I don't, I can't even begin to comprehend what the fed has to divulge in their meetings as far as variables that they have to go over to raise rates. But I guess what I'm trying to say in, in wrapping up here is that th this is really a time where you, you know, we say this probably every week, but it's really a good time to think about getting some cash out, taking advantage of these rates and, and getting yourself in position for what's going to happen after the election year. You know, what's going to happen next year. This is a really good time to reconsider what you probably wouldn't do in any other year is borrow against your house, but take out some money against your house. If you're really thinking about what are the opportunities coming in for 2017, 18. Yeah. We're flirting right now with those all time lows. The, the rates, as reported by the big agencies, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, um, I, th I think 
the most recent rating or or reading was right around or right under three and a half percent for the three point four five. Three point four five as of Monday. The historic low reading, I believe, was at like a three three one or something like that with Freddie Mac. Wow. So we're yeah. pretty darn close to those all-time lows. I think currently we're sitting around some four-year lows, three or four-year lows. Um, so yeah, for anyone who's refinanced or bought in the last three or four years, it's worth checking it out. Um, I had someone come in to the office. I think it was yesterday. It might have been Thursday. Um, they had a 15-year loan. They had eight or so years left to pay on it. Um, okay. And so the principal portion they were paying with each payment was about two thirds or three quarters yeah. of the entire payment. Yeah. I mean, they were they were Chopping on the home it down. stretch, looking real good. Um, rate was a little high given the program and things. It was a four and four point six two five, I believe, was the rate. Mm-hmm. A fifteen year loan or a ten year loan today, you're you're sub three percent, mm-hmm. probably two and seven eighths, two and three quarters, um, and. So we looked at the numbers, and yeah, I could save like a hundred to one hundred and fifty dollars, depending on fees. And so I kind of left it up to him. I'm like, I mean, I can make them. I can substantiate the the why you should with with some math here. I can also argue why you shouldn't. It's a hassle. It's mm-hmm. you know, you only you owe eighty grand. You're you're hitting it mm-hmm. nine hundred bucks with every payment. It's it's coming down and you're paying more than than the minimum payment i mean you're in a great spot there too so it it was one of those ones where it could have gone either way so there's no pressure it's kind of like here's here's what the options are and what the costs are why don't you think about it and then figure out if that's something you want to do if you do then hey we're here for you if not i get it i i don't know i don't know if i would either i'd have to think about it well that's the kind of advice that we'll give out it's real i mean we're we're not desperate for loans. We're not, you know, it's it's all about just giving people sound advice and making sure that we're taking care of customers. Yeah. One of the things I love about working at Central Coast Lending is that we're just like genuine average Joes, you know, we're not sitting here trying to sell like Wall Street loans and, and there's no trickery. I start every meeting with new clients talking about being a partner with them and they kind of like, I see like a little bit of a smirk, like, oh, you mean you want a commission and we need a loan? <laughs> no, <laughs> like we need to talk about what are your plans for for this this property? What are your plans over the next 10 years? And what I mean by taking money out against your house is let's say you're 50 years old, okay? And you want to retire at, let's just say 60. That's a, a round number a year. People are like, gosh, I thought I was going to retire at 50, but I'm certainly not working a day over 60. You might be, you might have owned your house for 10, 12, 15 years. You've made it through the values dropping and coming back. And you you might have 50% equity in your home. You can borrow $100,000 right now on top of your existing loan and increase your payment by about 400 bucks a month. $100,000. Now, what is that $100,000 going to get you out in the marketplace? Can it get you into a new rental where you can get a lease on that rental? Can that $100,000 get you, you know, in a 6% corporate bond after taxes? Can it make you some money? What I'm getting at is that the cost to play is very low. It's very low. And you need to be thinking of that as an investor. Use your house as an asset. It's not just where you live and where you barbecue and where you landscape. It's a chunk of money that, if done wisely, can make you more money. 
Here's another example of how to use home equity. Worked with a client a couple of years ago to buy their first home in Los Osos. They got a great deal. It was the home they were renting, so they had a relationship with the landlord. Always fun. The seller. Easy, I should say. Yeah, it can be. Easier. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they they worked out a, a good deal. You know, it was... I would say slightly below market. I think it was a for sale by owners. So that's how they were able Got to it. squeeze a little bit, you know, get the price a little down because it worked out for the for the seller that way. Um, mm-hmm. Under retail, good. So they did that two years ago. They they bought it with an FHA loan, um, minimum down. <laughs> As you know, values have gone up over the last couple of years. So now they've got equity. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, it was kind of a stretch to buy the home. It really... Um, you know, they, there wasn't a lot of disposable income in the first place, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. buying the home made it that much worse, but there was a tax benefit. But on a day-to-day basis, it just felt like it was a little more of a squeeze to own this home. So today they're coming in, or this last week they're coming in, and they are looking at, first of all, getting out of the FHA loan, because they do have more than 20% equity now. Terrific. So they're going to be able to get out of that FHA loan, drop that mortgage insurance, they're able to actually get a lower rate because at the time we did their FHA loan, rates were a little higher. So they're going to get roughly the same or slightly lower interest rate, and they're going to be pulling out uh, about $50,000. They're paying off a Great. Um, a high payment auto loan, and they they have the sewer hookups to do in Los Osos, uh, and they want to yeah. do a little bit of home improvement. improvement and just you know general maintenance on the home. Um, so overall, they're going to end up seeing cash flow improvement of 350 bucks a month. They're going to have the money they need to do the sewer hookups. Um, and they're going to have about 30 grand left over to do those home improvements they want to do. Because they're kicking off that mortgage insurance yeah. and getting a better, better situation. Yeah. So all around, it's an improvement to their home, their cash flow, their, their life is improved, will be improved because of this this um, refinance that they're looking at doing. Dan, can you repeat how long they've been in that property? Do you Only remember? two years. Wow. Only two years. And at the the rate of appreciation in this county, which is about 10% a year, they've <laughs> they put their minimum down on FHA two years ago. And today they've got, uh, I, I want to say it's like, well, with the loan, it will be about um, 25-ish percent equity. Good. So yeah. even with pulling that cash out, they're still going to have great equity. Yeah, I'm on a cash out kick this week. So I, I want to stay on this topic. I want to give you one more example, Dan. Uh, people buy their primary home. Let's say they bought it five years ago. It was the home. It was a starter home. Okay. They changed the carpet. They put fresh paint on it. And they said, you know what? We're going to rent this thing out. We're going to move into another house. Let's say you did that two, three years ago. Now you're probably thinking, shucks, I wish we would have taken some money out before we moved. Because now I can't do a new loan because I can't do, you know, I don't want to do another primary mortgage loan because I've got renters in it. I'm not going to live there. I live at my new place. Well, you can do a refinance cash out as an investor. You can put an investment note on that property as long as you keep the loan balance on the note uh, 75% or below. And if it's two units or more, a duplex or a triplex or multifamily, you got to keep it 70% or below. And you can get cash against that investment property and continue to rent it. Now you're probably going to have a little less cash flow per se in that that let's call it a profit and loss statement for your your property, but that can give you the cash that you need and a cash out refinance for an investor if they have decent credit can be 4.375, can be four and a half, you know, depending on the property. One of the reasons I'm really excited about the guests we have today is because they're going to help us understand like how this process works, you know, with the appraisal if you get the appraisal done correctly 
and in a timely fashion, that gives you an opportunity to sit down, have a second meeting with us during the course of the escrow. You can get the appraisal and not go through with the loan, right? Mm -hmm. It happens all the time. But I think we need to get an appraisal, get you disclosures, get you an appraisal and figure out what the value of your house is so you can make a good decision with what the rates are right now. It's just, it's just so low that you have to start looking at this. Yeah. Reasons why you shouldn't take cash, cash out of your home to go on a vacation to double down at the... The Giants are going to win again this year. <laughs> right, yeah, to place silly <laughs> wagers. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people got into trouble taking cash out of their homes about 10 years ago. Um, people would pay off credit cards that they charged up doing silly things with credit cards, and then they'd just charge the credit cards right back up. you got to have some financial discipline yeah. um, when you're considering taking cash out of your home. It, While it is this little bank account that's kind of sitting off to the side that you forget about sometimes it's it's also your home and you don't want to put your home in jeopardy um it is most people's best avenue to retirement yeah i think you know making those payments for 30 years you own your home free and clear um if you know not everyone has pensions or um you know big balances in their retirement their iras or 401ks um so there's always that opportunity to maybe do a reverse mortgage to get cash back out of your property as a way to retire. Yeah, that's um, true. So I would, I personally would never want to put that in jeopardy for myself. I would, we, I would be having a discussion with, with people who came in with some ideas about taking cash out just to make sure that they really understand what they're doing Yes, and that they're doing it for a reason that they can live with. Yeah. Uh, academically, what we're talking about is leveraging an asset. I mean, and the more you leverage an asset, the more you put yourself at risk. Another thing that really quickly, I don't want to mention, cause this is comes up is, you know, Mike, I already have a really good rate on my first mortgage of, you know, 3.75. I just don't want to do another loan. Um, can I get a second? Well, sure. You can do a second with most institutions, uh, recently at the end of last year, sec Central Coast Lending has now the ability to do a first and a second for you. However, we have to do it in a transaction where we're switching out the first deed of trust. But if you just did it, let's say you sit down with us and it makes more sense to keep your first deed of trust in place, your original mortgage that you're evaluating. Seconds are variable interest rates and they fluctuate with where the market's going. And another point I'd like to make is that the line of credit, if you will, is only open for 10 years. A lot of people that took out lines of credit and home equity lines of, of or excuse me, home equity lines of credit back in 2005 and 2016, just recently went through getting that notice in the mail, like, hey, your balance is now frozen. You need to either, worst case scenario, make a one-time payment, balloon payment, or we need to now amortize this over 20 years. You can't access the credit line anymore. Right. So it's not that it's a bad thing. I think it's just, if we're going to talk about the full spectrum of, you know, leveraging an asset, another option is a second mortgage where you sure. can keep your first in place, but you need to know the uh, the risks of that. I think the best process is to come and sit down with Dan or myself and just discuss these things. We never finish, you know, close a door and, and sales talk you into doing anything. We're more advisors than we are yeah, anything else. Definitely. We're facilitators, the, you know, just talking all the different options, talking about the pros and cons of each, and then arming you with all that information to make a good decision. Can't tell you how many times I've been in a discussion when I say, wow, that's a great idea. The actual individual is telling me something yeah. that is a new idea. So, um, yeah, there's, 
you know, a consultation's free. It's always free of charge. Um, never hurts to talk about your mortgage or your ideas for um, using home equity. Um, we're happy to do that. You can call the Central Coast Lending offices. Any You can reach any of the offices by dialing one number, 543-LOAN, 543-5626. Um, there's people there Monday through Friday, normal business hours. Happy to help you out. And uh, I think at this time on the radio show, it's time to take a quick break to thank the sponsors. Um, we are going to be joined by a couple of folks from a local appraiser um, firm, and uh, we'll be happy to take your calls if you have questions or comments. We'd love to hear from you. 543-8830, 543-8830. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Our loans are not trucked in from some big bank. They're raised right here on the Central Coast. No hormones, no GMOs, no antibiotics. Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, when we opened the show, we were talking about taking cash out against your mortgage. And, you know, no better guest to have on the show now than two appraisers I've got to the right of me just to talk about values and where we're at in this, in this not only this county, but kind of where the market's going. Uh, I've got Brad and Landon from... Now, I'm going to let you gentlemen introduce the name of this firm because I've I don't think I'm prepared enough to do it, but I feel myself getting tongue-tied. But welcome to show, Brad and Landon. Um, and please introduce yourselves and just tell us who you're with here in town. 
Um, my name is Brad Tonight. I work with Schenberger, Taylor, McCormick, and Jecker. It's a mouthful. Yes. Uh, we say <laughs> Thank ST, you, STMJ is how we approve it. We are, have been a firm in the area for about 43 years. And uh, perfect. basically, uh, we do all sorts of appraisals. We have about five, six licensed appraisers in our office. And we do everything from uh, agriculture to residential to uh, commercial. That's great. Lane, yeah. thanks Thanks for coming in. Yeah, and uh, like Brad was saying, we pronounce it just STMJ, a little quicker and easier. Sure. Um, yeah, and we, like Brad was saying, we do uh, everything from residential to complicated commercial um, appraisals and been in the business for over 43 years and a lot of knowledge in our firm. Right. Well, we, we were excited to have you on the show mainly because, you know, Dan and I talk about values. We're not appraisers. We're loan officers. We see a lot of appraisals every week, but we do want to just get an insight from you on, you know, kind of where you feel home value trends are going. And but before we do that, I, I want to just take a step back and say, you guys are probably one of the only firms left that stick together, collaborate as a group. I mean, the market now is a little different, isn't it? Since the Dodd-Frank and going to, there's now, for those who don't know, there's appraisal management companies that more or less manage mortgage appraisals where where a bank's involved and we request an appraisal to get an opinion of value to help the loan process evaluate evaluate what the estimated or the real value is of the home and so these amcs what they do is they'll take an order from dan or myself central coast lending any of our competitors in town even the institutions and then they'll hire an appraiser they'll, they'll actually reach out and get that appraiser we have no knowledge until we get the report back who that appraiser is. And, and that's been, that's, you know, that derived from what some would say the issues of the crash where it used to be where, you know, Brad and I were good buddies. We'd play poker on Wednesday night. We'd play golf on Sunday. And in between those meetings, I would order appraisals strictly from Brad where I could say, not that I did, but I could say, Hey, Brad, Really would like to get this appraisal back from you, and uh, it'd be sweet if it came back at five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and I yeah. would say, well, I'll have to look at the value and assess the uh, the property. But, sure, uh, but there was some collusion yeah. there. That there was perceived collusion, right? And so now you guys are a firm that's stuck together. I'd like to hear a little bit about you know your philosophy, why you did that, and and what makes you different than just you know the average Joe. Well, most residential appraisers are independent. I, I, we believe we just discussed that yesterday. Um, the challenges in having multiple appraisers in your office is you're going to be competing for the same type of work, especially if you all do residential. Um, our particular firm, as I had mentioned, we have several appraisers that, that just do vineyards. We have an appraiser who does um, conservation easements for the state. We have another appraiser who specializes in litigation, which... You know, we'll talk more about that later, but okay. Um, but every everyone has sort of their own niche. Um, I've been in. I was independent for 13 years until okay. I got went to go work for this firm about a year and a half ago, um, partially because I wanted to learn other aspects of appraising, specifically commercial and so forth. Um, right. Most appraisers are independent for the simple fact that it's just easier to work that way. Got it. Um, one of the things about the AMCs that changed things was it took any competitive advantage, If uh, using your example, if you and I were buddies, 
and I had worked for you for five years. Now I can't really work for you anymore, per se. We have to order or get the orders from an independent third party okay. to create that separation. So the good news is, is we're not as pressured on value as we once were. However, now we're sort of all the appraisers are kind of thrown into one bowl and whoever's name gets drawn gets that job. Okay. Okay. Kind of like the bingo game, right? Yes. It's like the exactly. little ball that Your comes out. Your numbers up. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Exactly. And it's different in commercial? Uh, Somewhat? It, it is. Um, commercial... A lot of the commercial lenders are local banks as opposed to the, the larger companies. They do also do commercial loans. However, locally, uh, more of the local mom and pop style okay. banks are the ones that do the loans. So that's okay. where, and they sometimes hire AMCs to manage their jobs for them because it gives them an extra layer of protection. Right. But it, in a commercial transaction, that's not a requirement, right? No, 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 it's not. I just think it's before we get into uh, some of the topics we really want to discuss and, you know, that you have for us, it's, I think it's important for the listeners to understand that, and maybe this isn't touched on, but, you know, we don't have, you know, I can't like text you and say, hey, where's our appraisal? Can you, can you hurry up? Or, you know, hey, uh, I, I see these comps you have here, but could you use these? It's, we're independent or better word is isolated from you all the way through the process in the residential market, which in my opinion, is actually a good thing, in my opinion. Well, you, you are allowed to contact your appraisers, but you're not allowed to discuss value-related issues. Okay. So if, if there was a thing where you had a situation come up where you needed the appraisal four days faster than I said I could get it to you, then, you know, there's nothing wrong with you picking up the phone and saying, hey, Brad, you know, can you get me this job by Tuesday as opposed to Friday, what we discussed? Sure. So you, there are there are things. It's just non-value related. Issues. No one ever calls you to request that, do they? To, to hurry rush. up, rush. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Good, good question. Yes, it's probably the <laughs> one of the most important hurdles of the transaction, whether it's a refinance or purchase. Right. Um, and so we were talking. Dan and I were talking when we opened the show about you know uh, historically low rates. The, the you know that bottom, if you will, uh, dep- that are, that are reported as at 3.3% roughly. And on Monday we opened up the average, you know, 30 year fixed mortgage. It was at 3.45. So we just discussed the idea of, man, are you ever going to get an opportunity like this to take out some cash, you know, get access to money is so cheap. Yes. The other part of the equation though, is like, you know, what is your house worth? Can you actually lever what, at what point do you feel that you're over leveraged, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think it, for me, it would be interesting to know what are, what do you feel like the home value trends are doing here in the County is appreciation kind of putting the landing wheels down and, and, and getting ready to slow down, come in for a landing or is this thing still taken off, you know, oh. at, a, at a, at a level where we've seen this year, I've seen a 1% increase per month since January. Yeah, and I would agree with that. We, we've, we're we definitely in an appreciation period. I think statistics support that, and I, I think your 1% is pretty close. Does that mean every house in the entire county has appreciated at 1% per month? Probably not. I think okay. some niche areas have shown more appreciation than others. Okay. Um, I also think that... Um, in this market, we have a pretty limited supply on the market, which has fueled the appreciation as well. 
Um, the demand, as we know, we live in a great place, and a lot right. of people want to live here, and we're seeing exponential growth population-wise. Um, it's a great area. It's a great time to buy, and I only see this area continuing over the long haul to improve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Do you hear people talking to you about concerns of another bubble, things like that? I mean, we hear it on our end from from our clients. I personally, it doesn't worry me because I know that it wasn't just rapid appreciation that contributed to the last crash. It had to, a lot to do with the lending side and the the loose guidelines um, on the lending side. And people had no skin in the game as far as, you know, they, they put nothing down on the home. They qualified without showing any income or assets. And it's just a perfect storm for for what we saw unfold yeah. for a crash. Right. Um, obviously, the lending side's been cleaned up a lot. We're still seeing appreciation, but it feels mostly like a supply-demand issue. When you look out at the market and see these ap- appreciation, what, three years in a row running at 10-plus percent a year, does that worry you? It, it Real estate's cyclical, so you're always going to see the ups and downs. I, I think over the long haul, and when you're looking at a... a a 20-year cycle versus a five- to seven-year cycle, you're going to see growth during that time unless there's some catastrophic change, which can happen. But um, as far as I'm concerned, I think short-term, you know, we're at highs right now. Does that mean next year we're going to continue at this pace? I wonder sometimes. Sure. I mentioned the other day that I felt that it was like 2005 in some ways, and then it it clearly the lending side has cleaned up like you said there's not as many funny loans i guess would be a way to put that right but, um over the long haul though i i see it as appreciation you know one of the uh, yeah well thank you for that and i i think that you what you don't see in your day-to-day life is that all the things we have to do to qualify vet you know verify confirm that these borrowers can afford this house more so than ever we're getting parents that are coming on the note with the kids because of the qualification standards and now you've got i'm not saying the parents are more responsible than the kids but you've got parents that are you know their obligation to satisfy that note if the kids can't make it is there it's on their credit report and we do that because sometimes the parents rightfully so they're they've got a grandkid on the way they want to make they want to make a better life for their kids. They're jumping on these notes too, and it adds a level of security to the market. Ninety-seven percent of Fannie, uh, excuse me, Freddie Mac's notes are performing. You know, they're, all the payments are happening right on time. That's that was released at the end of June uh, this year. So that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when you get when you get these notes coming in at four percent, three point eight seven five percent. Maybe you got some some bum credit, but you get an FHA loan where it's three and a quarter, and then you add to the three and a quarter the yeah sure the PMI is eight tenths of a percent, but now your real rate of of cost of capital is just over four, and you had a six eighty credit score, and you know you've got the income, but you just you know there's a loan out there for you that you're you're now in the market buying something that you know, adding to the marketability, adding to the demand. There's someone else out there now that can that can afford it. Um, speaking of FHA loans, before we switch on to our next topic, what's, I mean, what is the big difference between a conventional loan and an FHA loan? Is it a big difference? Is it a small difference? Is it, 
from the appraisal perspective. Correct. Yeah. What would you say you have to do differently <clears throat> if we have a if we have a listener that's like getting ready to accept an offer this weekend, and one of them's FHA? What would they need to be aware of? Um, that's a good question. Um, the FHA appraisal is 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 more detailed in that um, there's other inspections that need to take place. Uh, head and shoulder peaks of attics. Side views of the properties. Uh, Interesting crawl space pictures. Um, you're looking for roof leaks. You're looking for anything that could potentially be some sort of health or safety issue. Uh, more or less, I mean, from the, the the down payments, clearly that doesn't factor into our appraisal. We're looking at you know home right. value. We're not looking at qualifying someone. Um, and and those are the major differences on our end. Um, there's there's certain comments and, and things that that they want to see in the report. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, the value the valuation method is is very similar to a conventional. There's no real difference in that. Regard. Okay. So okay, that's good so. to know. Um, at wrapping up, like you know, certain trends. You said certain niches are very popular. There's mm-hmm. there's higher demand. Um, do you take into account multiple? multiple offers on a, on a purchase transaction? Like, does that just say, wow, this thing is obviously at, I mean, what you're doing is establishing the market price. I mean, you're saying this is a fair market price. If you've got three offers on this price, to me, that sounds like a market. Yes. And that's, and that's important information. I I agree with that. I, I tend to think that, um, one of the things that we have to do, and, and this is done through, um, we get a lot of this information from the brokers involved or agents involved. And that is, we want to know what the buyer and seller's motivations are. What's going on? Why do they want to live in this neighborhood? Why do they want to buy this specific house? And in your example, if you have three, four offers on a property within five days, well, you know one of two things. Either it's undervalued or that's a really nice property yeah. and or unique and somebody wants that specific home. So right. with that regard- There's a shop in the backyard and the dude's got to have it, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. A man cave or whatever. 220, electricity's <laughs> exactly. already set up. Exactly. Yeah, the man cave. <laughs> so there's- It's definitely a way to close. Yeah. And so that helps. I mean, that gives me some more ammunition because yeah. when, when you're doing a residential appraisal, one of the- the way that I like to look at it is that you're really creating a report that's selling a value to a lender. Yeah. And so ultimately what you have to do is you have to prove on paper, which is often difficult, that this house is worth what they're willing to pay so that the bank feels comfortable making the loan and it gets through their underwriting. So that's really how I view it. So in, in getting back to your original question, yes, that would be mentioned in my report if I knew there were four offers in five days on a specific property sure. to let the lender know that, hey, if this loan doesn't go through, there's three other people that e- want this home equally at that value. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, the lender gets to report, too, because they want to know in the event that the borrower defaults, what's their marketability? You know, mm-hmm. how tight are we here? Right. Which, um, uh, so... I'd be foolish if I didn't ask you this question. I'm sure our listeners want to know uh, tips to maximizing appraisal value. I mean, is it all in the kitchen, Brad? (laughs) (laughs) For the guy that's driving a Home Depot right now and his wife (laughs) told him to buy a granite slab countertop, is he doing the right thing or? I tell, I tell him that you should 
go do with what your wife says, and then, then eventually <laughs> you'll always come right. out ahead. But. So this is the last section of the appraisal is the wife addendum. <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly. Always <laughs> the smart thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> the wife is right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in answer to that question, um, there, there's lots of things. I mean, as an appraiser, I think, you know, taking a step back here, I want to look at the overall quality of the home, the overall condition of the home. I, I, an example that I use frequently is, is if you have a 1970 home that has, you know, all original equipment involved and you go out and put granite countertops in, that's not really going to make a significant impact on your value. Right. Um, however, if you reface your cabinets and put in new appliances and redo your bathrooms and, and do new flooring and paint and and any other upgrades that you see fit, that will certainly add value because you look at it from a, a potential buyer's perspective. Um, there's some people that want to buy a house that's complete. They don't want to come in and spend three months remodeling. They yeah. want to come in and they want to move in as is. So with with that said, with that said, you know the simplest things that I always talk about are flooring and paint because they're relatively inexpensive. And I think most potential buyers coming in are going to repaint or refloor anyway. I got a question for you, actually. And Jim, the engineer here, some people are into the, you know, like we just moved in here, the studios, and we're trying to do the retro look. And some people are into the retro look. And as long as you don't have like the wallpaper on the wall with the huge flowers from the 70s. Those are so cool. Is that kind of a selling point now, too? I mean, if you, if you got a, a person that is into a, you know, a house built in the 70s or the 60s and you kind of want the retro look, and you have appliances and you have counters that are in good shape and things like that, as long as it's not like ugly, like you know, some of the wallpapers and stuff like that, is that a selling point now? Or most people into the, like the, you know, the, you know, the house maybe built in the sixties and seventies, but we want the, you know, the current stuff, the modern conveniences yeah, that yeah. go with, with, mm-hmm. you know, the updated electrical and things mm-hmm. like that, that, normally, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll say this probably multiple times today, but my answer to that is it depends. <laughs> it depends uh-huh. on what the buyer wants. Right. And so if you're trying to market your home, you want to market your home to the general masses. And that's where I think a professional realtor can help you with that. Okay. Um, in answer to your question, I like the retro look. Right. I, I'm a right. big mid-century modern guy. I love the clean mm-hmm. lines and the big mm-hmm. windows, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great look. I, a lot of people aren't going to like that same look that I look. Sure. Um, you know, depending, it's like a paint color. What you say is ugly, someone else might say right. is vibrant. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so it's you very, get into like the Art Deco yeah. versus very subjective, yeah, cosmopolitan yeah. type yeah. stuff. I think that everybody kind of agrees with the big daisies on the wall wallpaper. It's, it's ugly. Well, there's get someone out that. there. We might get a call. <laughs> you know, there, you we, know. we might get a call from someone yeah. that has that on their Yeah, yeah. But, that's yeah. possible. Right. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, speaking of calling in, uh, listeners, if you'd like to have a, ask a question to Brad or Landon, please call in. It's the numbers. Uh, we're gonna. Five four three eight eight three zero. I'm gonna throw that out. Five four three eight eight three zero. The eight hundred number for some reason hasn't transferred yet. Good. So don't put that one out. But we do have five four three eight eight three zero working. Thank you, Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, before we before we hit go to a break soon, I'd like to just ask you another question about, you know, does landscaping matter? Does the outside stuff matter? Can't tell you how many people said, "Oh, I got to get this lawn cut looking good," so when they roll up in the driveway, they've already bought the house, and it's like. That probably, I mean, what's what's the answer? <laughs> the answer it depends. De- it depends, <laughs> um, and it depends on whether the guy buying the home 
is a, gar- a gardener <laughs> right. or if he likes to play golf on the weekends. Right. If he's a gardener, then he'd he wants probably a canvas. love it. Well, yeah, he wants to manicure it and spend right. hours out there. Um, and as opposed to the guy who, you know, I, I'm a dad, so I spend a lot of time on the weekends with my daughter. I don't have time to spend three hours right. clipping bushes and right. that kind of stuff. So, and, yeah. I, and I do like to play golf. So yeah. for me, you know, it, it, it can make a difference in that it really, it adds appeal to the property. I think that's a, that's a good thing. Cause getting sure. your example, you know, if their lawn's all long, yes, it would benefit them to cut their lawn before agents come and show their property. Yeah. 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 I think cause overall it'll just make it look nicer. It has right. more appeal. To my standpoint, you know, whether they cut their lawn or not, or whether they have, you know, 10 palm trees or grass, it doesn't make that big of a difference because all the things we're comparing it to have similar amenities. It may not be equally desirable, but they're considered similar. Mm -hmm. And so from that standpoint, I tell people if they're going to put a lot of money into their landscaping or their outside, do it for yourself. Yeah. Do, it, do it because you enjoy it and it makes you happy because yeah. ultimately that's what it's about. That's what home ownership is. It's about feeling good in your environment and liking where you live. Yeah. I yeah. I get that, you know, the landscaping being well manicured or the, the home being cleaned um, can impact the negotiation between the buyer and seller in, in a transaction. But when you look at an appraisal, there's no line item on the grid that says, you know, was this house cleaned on a, a C1 through 6 scale? You right. know, that doesn't exist. Or, right. you know, was the lawn, you know, cut within the last week or two weeks or three weeks? Those those aren't things you see on an appraisal. So when when someone's, you know, considering a refi where there is no sale going on, um, does it make sense for them to do those kinds of things like cut the lawn and clean the house and do those things to try to get the best value on that appraisal report? That, that's a good question. Um, in, in my opinion, no. And the reason is, is because I say, and I say this a lot, dishes and laundry are personal property. So if you walk into a home and there's dishes and laundry and toys and, you know, couches are ripped apart, that's all personal property. I'm looking at the walls, the flooring, the fixtures, I'm looking at the general shape of the of the real property. Yeah. And so with that said, from my eyes, interesting. I, see, I see through that. Yeah. But again, going back to the example I used earlier about creating a report that's basically selling a value. Well, if I'm taking pictures of all that stuff and I'm thinking about the reader who's actually reading my report and they see this house that is dirty and messy that may influence the underwriter. I can't say that it yeah. will. I'm just saying that it, there's possibility. So well, yeah. So clean your house before There's, you get it appraised. <laughs> I mean, comic relief. I mean, come on, people. The appraiser is coming over, like, exactly. do the laundry beforehand. <laughs> yeah. It's like having, you want to, I mean, it's like having guests over. I always yeah. tell people that, you know, most yeah. appraisers do look past that stuff. They they can envision what the lawn looks like when you've cut it recently <laughs> right. or something, and it's not going to really affect value. But what it does is it gives... It gives someone, whether it's an appraiser or just a guest over at your house, it gives them the overall feeling that the home is maintained <laughs> versus not. If you walk in and you see that, you know, the, the dirt's swept back into the, the planter beds and the lawn's cut and the home's kept up nice, you kind of get this overall feeling of, wow, you know, this home's nice. Right. Whereas that same home could just be dirty and you kind of, eh, it seemed like it needed some work or something. You can't really pinpoint one thing, but it just gives you that feeling, you know, that that there's work to be done. Right. 
No, and I, and I agree with that. I I look through it, but you know, in my mind, I you know know that I can't value their home based on what their how long their grass is or how well they've maintained it. It's it's ultimately really I'm looking at the real property there, not the personal property. Yeah, I mean, upon your that's really good to know. I think it is. Upon your arrival, though, you're kind of the guest of honor, right? Everyone's like, oh, the guy that's going to tell us how much our house is worth. It's, it's a love Here's, a, it's here's a love the macadamia hate. nut cookies. And like, I, I, wish, I wish it were that way. Lemonade. No. I just made this fresh lemonade. You're like, I've got to do four more of these today. I just, I really Does don't that have happen to very talk. often? Do you get greeted with treats and beverages? Uh, not enough. Not enough. No. Uh, Never even Brad. crossed my mind to do and, that. And, and now like, it's there. The yeah. seed has been planted. Yeah. I don't like macadamias either. Uh, so. Uh, Noted. Right. <laughs> right. Our appraisal was going to be done on time, but he went into anaphylactic shock. <laughs> the peanut butter cookies got him. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. There's a, you know, there's quite a bit more to go into. We're going to spend, uh, you know, more time after the break. One of the things I want to just kind of teaser our listeners for when we come back is I do want to talk about land you know, the idea of owning land, uh, land. And one of the reasons you're here is, uh, you've gone, you've gone through the rigmarole, the process of getting your, you know, commercial and agricultural appraisal license. It'd be interesting to hear. And I think our listeners would like to hear too, you know, with the land that's out there, how do you value it? You know, how could they take advantage of, you know, maybe acquiring some land, whether it be acquiring it for investment type possibilities, you know, on the outskirts of town, someone's eventually going to buy my land for me or just, the, the average, or maybe what's becoming the new American dream is buying an acre and putting a house on it so that you don't have to talk to anyone when you're at home. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm mean, interested to hear that. Um, before we before we go to the break, though... We, have, we might as well we just got? run it go up to, to the top, top of the hour. hour. We Great. have like about four minutes. Before so, we go to the yeah, break... Take it up to the top of the hour. Um, Brad, have you done any uh, estimated completed value appraisals or 442 appraisals? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, when you say appraisal, you're talking about a completion certificate on the 442 or? Well, what I'm talking about, just to kind of set the table really quick, this is a massive topic, but I want to cover it in five minutes. It's uh, people are now getting these loans where you can, we can lend them money to renovate the house in conjunction with paying off their existing mortgage, or we can even help them acquire the house with a mortgage and give them uh, a budget, if you will, of dollars lent to them at the close of escrow to renovate the home. Uh, the, the appraisal I'm referring to is the one where you go out and say, okay, so what are you going to do to the house? Show me everything. Show me the design. Show me the budget. And then I'll comp it to like homes based on what it should be completed as. Mm-hmm. You know, how does that process work? I mean, what do, what do you get during that process? Is it, is it, are you talking more of like a construction loan per se? More like a construction loan, okay. like a FHA 203K mm-hmm. loan, sure. a home style loan where you would, right. you would literally get a design and an image of what the house is to be. Mm-hmm. And your job is to say, when you're done with that house, it should be worth X. Right. In today's, in today's, in today's market. market. Right. Correct. Um, yeah. I've, I've actually done quite a few of those. Uh, basically what you're, what you're looking for is, is you're always looking to try to draw that apples to apples comparison where if you're appraising a home that has yet to be built and it's it's projected to be built and, and they provide us with plans, um, building materials, building costs, 
things like that that we all have to take into account, mm-hmm. then ultimately what I'm looking for is I'm looking for a house that would be considered similar in location, a property that has a, a similar renovation pattern, whether it was recently renovated or it, it could be just a brand new home that just got built yeah, or a spec build or a speculation build. Uh, uh-huh. That's what I'm looking for, for, for value. I mean, ultimately in our world, we don't live in an area where we have a lot of tract homes and a lot of conformity. So those types of jobs are always a little more challenging. Sure. Um, but sure. With, yeah, they're definitely a more expensive appraisal. We know, right. you know, they just are because of the, like you're saying, the research, the due diligence you have to do. There's, there, there's a lot more that goes into that. And so, uh, you know, you're projecting out costs and making sure that the costs are in line with market value. Um, that's also a very important, um, and, and ultimately then at that point, yeah, what that's happens, huge. it gets built and then, and then we go back out and then we confirm after the fact that it's been built yes. and do our 442 completion, what we were talking about to make sure that it was built to the specs that were given to us at the onset of the build. Okay, so maybe I'm using some terminology incorrectly. I guess what I'm I I was under the impression that the whole process was a 442 form. Or so you're saying the 442 is at the end when they go back out. That's that that's is the, the completion. Form. Like you did what you said you were going to do, and congratulations, the house is, you know, worth. You built yourself some equity. Good job. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. The 442 is actually it's a one page form put out by Fannie Mae, which it allows you to do two different types of jobs. One is to say that, yes, this house is completed based yeah. on the specs, or two, um, an appraisal update. Yeah. Right. Uh, right before we go to a break, so that's something that someone could contact you for, and you know your firm. They could contact you directly and do like a consultation. Right. Now, if they contact you directly before we start a loan, you know, we've got to do another appraisal, but it's great to meet you and have, because it's such a big discussion. Right, right. Um, so think of that, listeners. If you're looking to renovate or build out your house, you know, Brad here, it, he's here now. You could call after the break. But when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about the idea of buying land, the value of land, and how that all works with our two appraisals here. So please stick around for more Mortgage Matters. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. to refill your coffee, pull your old appraisal out of your file cabinet, <laughs> and we are ready to go. We have got Brad and Landon here from SM... ST. ST. MJ. MJ. Gosh, I'm just doing so horrible at that. Uh, 
local appraisers here on the Central Coast, uh, really great guys. I had a chance to have coffee with them yesterday. Uh, the, you know, one of the things you need to think about is the appraiser can be your partner in this process. Uh, unfortunately, but fortunately, you you have to go in order to get a mortgage appraisal. In order in order to get a, an appraisal that a, you know helps out your loan, you have to get disclosures from the bank first and you have to sit through the process and look at what your deal would be and then order the appraisal. But you could go directly to Bradder Lennon and get an appraisal just for value purposes. You know, maybe you're getting ready to do things such as, you know, estate planning. Maybe you're getting ready, you know, you know, fill in the blanks for me, guys. There's a couple yeah. of different opportunities for you guys, the services that you offer. Yeah. Um, one big thing we get is buyers and sellers especially with Agland or um, maybe a property they're not quite familiar with yet, but they're venturing out into an investment. And um, okay. some of these buyers are cash buyers to where they may not be going through a lending institution Excellent. and they want to make sure that they want are getting a fair price for what they're paying. Yeah. So we get people calling and wanting to do appraisal, you know, to make sure, you know, this guy's not overcharging them. They're in the ballpark. Um, so both buying and selling before people put it on the market, they want to know, sure, you know, how much is my vineyard really going to be worth? Sure, they don't want to shoot too high because then, you know, they may not get the offers, and then yep. they shoot too low and it's going to sell too fast. So um, right, we get that a lot, and then um, I mean, there's various um, reasons to get appraisals, like you're saying, estate planning, um, mm -hmm. divorces, um death in the family, um, a lot of IRS purposes, sure. Lead appraisals. Um, sure. we work through a lot of, uh, attorneys in the area. So attorneys usually contact us and, um, well, they'll work directly through us for the family members. Right. Um, assess values is big. Um, say you bought a ranch in the height of the market and now three years later, it may not be worth the market value is way lower and um your assessments at 1 million but maybe your house today is worth 500,000 mm -hmm. and um so you can challenge the county's assessment and lower your tax value interesting so um we've had clients do that usually it's larger um wineries that where they may have sure put a lot of cost into their winery and cost doesn't necessarily equal value that's right in the market so the assessor may have put it in at full cost but then now they want to make sure that you know it is fair market and they're taxed accordingly yeah so. yeah i mean a lot of what we talk about on this show is mortgages and you know residential mortgages but certainly a part of people's income tax returns the way they make money are the things you're talking about exactly you know and that helps them pay for mortgages or do things in their life that we talk about most of the time so it's very prudent that you're mentioning these things now when someone reaches out to you uh let's say they're a landowner, mm -hmm. you know, what are some of the things that you do, Landon, that you offer them just to evaluate land? Like maybe they want to, maybe they've got enough land that they're thinking about chopping it up into pieces, parcels of land so they could have a small infill project or development. Like what, what would you do for someone like that? Uh, that's a great question. Um, or how does the process start? I mean, is it just they call you up and say, hey, drive out to this land and tell me how much it costs? Um, usually they'll call us and uh, with some particular question, whether it's I want to know the value or what What do you think the uses could be for my land? Um, okay. And that gets into... Oh, that's interesting. Know, we'll investigate the zoning right away. Okay. Because um, a lot of it's, you know, what can it be used for? 
because there could be a limited use where maybe you have a 40 acre piece but it's stuck at 40 acres with zoning and so their limits go down you know they can't parcel it off and sell 40 home sites if it's not zoned for that right so a lot of it's um terrain in this area with land terrain is huge um you could have 30 percent slopes 45 percent slopes where it becomes not buildable yeah and um all of a sudden that land you know what's the real use of it there may not be much value in the heavy vegetated creek or large slopes but so you have a nice home site with a view of the ocean yeah that's where the whole value lies so got it um, land is kind of tricky it comes down to use and uh, location's always huge yeah, you know, you go out to Harris Ranch in San Simeon and, or not, excuse me, Hearst Castle in San Simeon and uh, you look around and it's just, you know, oh my God, he owns all this land. This family owns all this <laughs> land, but it's like, what do you do with it? Yeah, obviously they use it, for, a lot of it's for cattle, mm-hmm. but originally, and now it's just this just glorious land. What is that all worth? I mean, yeah. you guys are- That's a great question. Someone <laughs> of our office has actually appraised uh, the Hearst estate, wow. not, not including the house. Sure. Just the actual state. So we could let you know. Or actually, no, we can't. But <laughs> well, actually, that's kind of a yeah. good question because part of the Hearst Ranch is in a land conservancy. That's what it is. Right. So right. Yeah, there's, that brings into another factor there. Right. Yeah. And one of our appraisers, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. He does yeah. conservations and easements. and. So that's another huge thing with the land. Uh, another whole purpose of appraisal is... Uh, putting conservation easements on it sometimes the state will come to you and you know this purpose could be for better use of stain completely in ag and you can limit development on it and uh, of course that affects the value because all of a sudden now you can't build your 10,000 square foot mansion on top of the hill yeah 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 but, um, so you can value the loss in value of the conservation easement and kind of what that's worth yeah i hear a lot of tax strategy coming yes. out of this which yeah. is uh, definitely prudent for the affluent individual uh, i think there's no better time to, could you just quickly tell uh give us contact information for the firm one more time list the firm and yeah so um it's stmj appraisers and we're located here in san Luis. and our general number is 805-544-2472 and um I said we have about six appraisers that are licensed and each one concentrates in a separate kind of division um right you know so we have a general ag appraiser agricultural appraiser that if you have questions regarding vineyard or any type of say land over 20 acres kind of farmable land um he would tackle that and we have a commercial guy so basically any appraisal need will be able to get you to the right person in our office um so calling that number our secretary will be able to direct you the right way okay okay good um you know this is on my five-year plan and I don't know how many listeners or individuals have this on their, you know, five-year plan, but I want to own some property and I'd, I'd like to build a house. And if I really got nerdy about it, I'd be completely off the grid, you know, <laughs> not like the people that have a bunker and, you know, artillery and like zombie apocalypse is coming, but like off the grid, get my energy from the sun, um, you know, gray water, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what does it take for, I mean, when you go out to buy land, I see all these prices, you know, like 249 for properties out on Wasna Road, a big piece of, you know, 2.5 acre property. What should I be thinking about as an as a genuine consumer? Like how much is that land going to appreciate if I build a house on it, you know? 
if I build a normal house, is that thing going to go up for the value of probably what I spend on the house? Or is that thing going to turn into like a $1.2 million house if I put a five, if it cost me $500,000 to build a house? Uh, that's a good question. Um, a lot about the area. Just yeah. an opinion. I mean, you guys, a lot of what you guys do is opinion of value, but uh -huh. I, it's important for me to understand that. Yeah, look at the properties around it. If if there's, you know, 5,000 square foot houses around it, it'd probably be a good idea to build something in conformity to your neighbors. Okay. Um, a lot of talking about rural land, which I love too, um, a lot of it is access out okay. there. I mean, if you don't have good access onto a remote land, it can really affect the value. You know, if you have to reach it by a four-wheel drive Jeep only. Right. Or it's... A, <laughs> right. So, I mean, I'm going to a grocery store, warm up the tank. Exactly. Yeah. Water, water is huge. Of uh, course. I mean, if you don't have a well, that's something you ought to immediately look into. Is there even going to be the available water underground? Um, so a lot goes into it, but I would say do your research on property values around the area mm -hmm. um, before mm -hmm. building. Yeah. But, and, and I would say from an investment standpoint, too, um, if you're looking to increase your value, more from a ph philosophical standpoint, you don't want to have the nicest, biggest home in that area. Using Landon's example, if you have homes that are all 5,000 square feet, you don't want to build that 8,000 square foot house. You want to build the 4,000 square foot house and let those other more expensive homes bring your value up. I think, I think that's a really good point because I think a lot of people get caught up in, well, we're going to build a house okay. and they start out with a budget. And then as time goes on, typically that budget gets exceeded Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and then exceeded. And it's sort of like, well, where do you stop? You know, how far do we want to go with this? Yeah. Right. I, I think it goes back to what I said earlier. If you're going to, if you're going to do improvements to the home that aren't necessarily common in the marketplace, you want to do it for yourself. You don't want to do it thinking that you are setting a new bar for the area because you've added a specific feature or a certain type of material into the project. Sure. I mean, there are a couple of banks doing, starting to do speculative builds again where you know an investor can go in with their construction project with a contractor that they trust and you know build these homes. Mm -hmm. And that's a, I would think that's a great reason to reach out to you guys have a preliminary conversation like, hey, how, how big should I build this house? You know, what would the comps be? Right. From an investment perspective, I would say yes. I, I, I find that most people that go through that process, though, are, are owner users. Right. They're building it for themselves. Right. So with that said, I, I don't necessarily think that they're going to be looking at it from a investment perspective. I mean, there's always that in the back of your mind. But over time, if if the home is built in a, in a professional workmanlike manner and it conforms to the area over right. time, it'll probably just go up in value anyway. So by the time that, you know, say the people who built it die and, and leave it to their kids, um, it'll be worth a lot more than it was when they initially built it just because of the amount of time that's gone by. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think it's a good time to mention that central coast lending can help with new construction loans. So we help you not only, partner up with a community bank if you want to just do a, a good old-fashioned construction loan where they lend you the money to build a house. And then we sit there kind of idle on a perch, making sure everything goes as it's supposed to go. And right towards the end, as you're wrapping up the construction project, Central Coast Lending can do what's called the takeout loan. We actually qualify you ahead of time to tell that community bank that when the project's done, 
we're going to pay off your balance and give you a 30 year mortgage or a 15 year mortgage, whatever you want to do. Um, that's called a two time close. Our, um, our other product we have is a one time close where we can give you, we can help you through the process, help you navigate the process of where you need to be with your permits and uh, acquiring land all at the same time. And then the 30 year mortgage can actually be in place before you start the project and you can build this, this home on land of your choice. And as soon as the project's done, you get occupancy receipt and the appraiser goes back through and says, yeah, the value is what we thought it was going to be. Um, one month later, you'll roll right into a 30 year mortgage. You can do it all in one loan. So uh, those are interesting products. And if you have questions for us about those today, you can call in at uh, 543-8830. But please feel free throughout the week to call us um, at Central Coast Lending. One one number rings all of our offices. We, again, we have a San Luis Obispo, Morro Bay, Atascadero, and Paso Robles office. And that number is 543-LOAN. Once again, 543-LOAN. So uh, we're here kind of in the middle of the show, Brad and Landon, and, and I wanted to just give you guys an opportunity to tell me in some ways you know, what you feel, I mean, your industry since the Dodd-Frank rollout has gotten so much data. I mean, there's, it's been, it's changed the face of the way this appraisal information, every report is, is like set on a shelf and can be referenced and can be accessed now because of the data we have, the technology we have. I mean, where is this job market going as an appraiser? Is it becoming automated? Will it be robotic? Will your profession exist 10 years from now? I mean, in opinion, of course, but something to talk about because a lot of these people that are service oriented are worried about, you know, the travel agency guy, he's no longer a travel agent. He's a CPA or he's an insurance guy, or maybe he's a loan officer. And so I wonder like with all the data involved and what's happened, what do you guys think about that? I, I think that's a great question. And, and I've, contemplated that myself many times and and my 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 opinion is that i don't think the need for the residential appraiser is necessarily going to go away but i do think that the uh zillows of the world the 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 automated valuation models i i do tend to think that they are getting better and better and more accurate at predicting values sure um the one thing where they struggle is they have a hard time delineating uh, neighborhoods. And I, I, the other day when we were talking, we specifically referenced uh, Shell Beach right. and, and how unique it is street to street, very block unique. to block. Um, it would be very difficult for a computer to try to weave through the different locations. The algorithm. Right. right. Amongst in, in a place like that. So in that essence, I, I tend to think that you they are better served to have an appraiser go out and do it. However, if you're in a track neighborhood where there's a thousand homes and there's eight models. Homogenous. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of conformity. Then in those types of environments, I think the automated uh, valuations are fairly accurate. Or do you have like the same kind of problem like in Oceano or maybe in Grover where like you'll have like a, you know, they're working on the streets in Grover. They're fixing all the streets, which is great, you know. 
but they might yeah but they yeah i suppose i live, in I, I live on one it's of the streets right now that's getting you know worked on so i'm happy and i live but on anyway, oak park yeah well good. that's me too yeah so and that's getting fixed but come on let's go anyway um anyway so like um but you might have like a really nice brand new home and the next door there's one that's built in you know the 40s or 50s and it's kind of needing some work and stuff like that so you can't really like um use that kind of general neighborhood kind of thing going right. there either it's kind of harder there isn't it right yeah um yes and no and 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 I'll, I'll tell you the the reason i say both of those sometimes it's it's harder because yes you don't have the conformity uh -huh. but ultimately there's you know you take a home that's 10 years old and it's on a 5,000 square foot lot there's plenty of those in grover they may not be on the same street they may not be on the same block but there you don't have as much difference in values based on street to street and block to block um, the reason that's easier sometimes is because it allows the appraiser to go further out and find homes that are more comparable Mm -hmm. as opposed to staying within the defined one mile radius from the subject property it, it allows a lot more flexibility in terms of going out because you sometimes have to reach out farther areas to find the right comp okay. if that makes sense yeah, yeah. it okay. does mm -hmm. how much do um do finishes matter in the final value of the appraisal like if you were to take two homes in a in a tract neighborhood so you've essentially got model matches but one has maybe upgraded fixtures or something i mean do you even know the difference between this faucet and that faucet to to incorporate that into the value does that matter or does that get overlooked because it's a matter of taste i i think that's a great question and i i think that's where the appraiser's job is to know what those upgrades are in a specific neighborhood there are certain neighborhoods or track developments that i've gone into that i know exactly what was upgraded and what wasn't um, as far as the cost to upgrade that really depends on what the builder sells it to the buyer <laughs> when they when they, at the time of purchase but um it does it is taken into account and you know you may see uh, specifically what you're talking about is a difference in quality so one may be ranked at a higher quality level than the other and then you try to extract out what that difference in value is in the marketplace so if if it's a, a ten thousand dollar adjustment then the comp is going to be adjusted ten thousand up or down depending on if it was nicer or not as nice. That seems like something that would be very difficult for a Zillow type automated yeah, engine yeah. to determine also. Yes. You know, exactly. it's, I think it's really good at the price per square foot metrics, but the upgrade incorporating upgrades is, I, I don't even see how that type of system could do that. There'd have to be cameras in your home. Yeah, pretty right. much. Yeah. You don't know what someone's done in the last year or two years to their home, right. and how that can impact value. Right. 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 Well, listeners, uh, we think our sponsors are great, and we want you to as well. So we're going to take a quick break here, but stick around for more Mortgage Matters. We'll be back right after the break. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side 
Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN-CENTRAL COAST LENDING. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328 through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve. And the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You asked for it the last week. The OJ's. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the OJ song, Jim, I asked for, but well, it was still yeah. good. Okay. All right. I think I think what Jim's trying to encourage all of our listeners to do is go out and get a mortgage. Join this <laughs> join this train. <laughs> this love train. Every you know, every first of the month it's yeah, great. Yeah, you get this is. nice bill from your bank. They put their letterhead at the top. There it is. Yeah. Hey, we're still here. And hey, we still we still love you and you still three hundred thousand yeah. dollars on the house. Why isn't this balance going down? I feel like this balance isn't going down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh it's funny. Hey, thanks for sticking around, listeners. Uh you're here with um, Brad Landon, um, Mortgage Matters. Dan Podesto's off in the other room. He's uh, he's here, but he's not here. Uh, and Mike points. And you know, one of the things we should probably tell listeners, uh, whether they're in the process of buying now or getting an appraisal or even selling and waiting to hear back from the other side if they got the appraisal, is a how long does it take to do? you know, soup to nuts when you get the order to completed the report and B, how busy are you guys right now? That's a good question. We are very busy. Um, and it's been that way for me personally for about three years where I cannot physically take on the amount of work that I get. Yeah. Um, so that's the good news. Um, the bad news is, is that, uh, well, there's a shortage in the industry for appraisers right now. Sure. And so that that's a whole nother issue in sure. itself in terms of trying to get new appraisers. And and I don't know if this is still true, but I think it was about five years ago. I'm five. still learning the computer. I'm sorry, guys. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm still learning the computer. I was about to say something really important. Um, we got it. We got now it. Now I can it's, only think of rock and roll. There's no more. There's no more you shook me all night long. Got it. All right. Over, All right. over half of the appraisers in the county are, I believe, over the age of 55. And so what that tells me is, okay. is that there's sort of a changing of the guard. Uh, and there's not a lot of new people coming into the industry. Part of that is because of the challenges involved in becoming sure. an appraiser. So, yeah, it's not like becoming an Uber driver, right? No, no. You don't download an app and, <laughs> and you're, you're already there. But, 
Um, so that's a big issue. Uh, I'd like to see more people trying to get into the industry. It, it is a long process, though. It takes a couple of years okay. to just okay. start out and get involved. And then you got to learn the market. That That's part of it, too. Yeah. So because of those challenges, barriers to entry, if you will, you're busy in conjunction with the rates, you're busy. But right. like, let's say I make an order and you're going out today to do the report, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like to go, excuse me, to inspect, to go see the price. Right. Well, I'll answer that two ways. If that was the only job I had and I was appraising it or inspecting it at nine o'clock in the morning, I could have it finished by the next day. Okay. Um, with that said, you know, usually my pipeline right now is anywhere from 10 to 15 jobs at a time. So, wow. And, and, and as you all know, you know, there's an expectation as to when we're going to get those done. Yes. I quote between two to three weeks for my mortgage jobs. Or okay. anything beyond that, I usually throw it out a little farther because yeah. they're not as time sensitive. So yeah. clearly we want to make sure that the people that are trying to get loans that, you know, get their appraisals in a timely manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's really important. Yeah, I I think um that that can be difficult in a purchase transaction yeah. because that standard language is to approve or waive the the appraisal contingency within seventeen days. Right. So does that become a problem or sometimes yes yeah it does yeah and 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 quite frankly though too with the way the systems are set up in terms of how appraisals are ordered through management companies you know ahead of time as to more or less you know by the time that appraisal gets ordered oftentimes that that property has been in escrow for a week so yeah. that 17 day window <laughs> goes to 10 pretty quick and so mm -hmm. you need to at least mm -hmm. at the very least do your due diligence to make sure that the value is going to be meeting the expectation of what the sales price is sure and and if it's not, then you still have to do the appraisal and come up short, <laughs> basically. So well, yeah, or or there could be uh, appraisal at value with a condition. Right, right, you know? exactly. Yeah, there could be uh, you know damage, water damage, or something like that. That yeah. you know we have to bring up in the report, which ultimately yeah. you might say that you need to see a roof certificate just to show you know maybe this roof has less than two years of life left because right. it was built twenty three years ago and it has the original roof. Right. Um, uh, you know, in the new TRID compliance standards, we have to disclose to the borrower what their fees will be in escrow and what their potential interest rate would be, whether it's locked or not. And then they have to fill out a notice of intent to proceed with us as the bank before we can order the appraisal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all that can happen. That, that probably takes on average, the way I like to run my purchase transactions, 48 hours from the time of acceptance. Mm -hmm. But that's because I'm like chomping at the bit at these things. And... Then I get the order over to you, and if you take two weeks, we're right back at 16 days. That's a small window. Right. And I, I think you did a very good job prefacing your answer with there's not a lot of appraisers. Right. There's, not, there's only so much you can do. Right. Well, um, and in that scenario you describe, you're, you're very motivated, and it sounds like you have a very motivated client to get to actually sign those disclosures in a timely manner and get sure. them back to you so that you can order that appraisal. That's where things sure. are clicking on both sides. If you, which happens often, if you have, where you don't receive the purchase contract until three days into, yeah, three days after acceptance, and then you have, uh, you know, maybe your your client doesn't understand how critical the timing is, and it takes them two days to take, you know, I'll 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 look at those disclosures on Friday, yeah, Friday night, glass of wine, do it with the wife at home, right, you know, instead of doing right. it Thursday, the minute they went out, you know, those things just add the time adds up. 
then you have a weekend thrown in there and all of a sudden you come back on Monday and you've got, you know, maybe by the end of that week that appraisal needs to be in in order to meet the contingency. I'm glad that you're sharing this because we have industry people listening to the show as well. And it's good to set those expectations for them that it's tough in today's environment to meet that 17 day contingency unless everybody's in it together and, and really pushing to get things done on time. Yeah. Right. Right. Wholeheartedly agree. And I also think too, and we touched on this yesterday about, you know, in this market, it's probably, and, and I know a lot of the agents out there probably don't want to hear this, but it's probably better to write 45-day escrows because that way you'll meet the expectations yeah. and you'll come out ahead. Otherwise, if you write a shorter escrow, there's always that chance that there's going to, a greater chance that there's going to be a hiccup at the end, which causes everyone grief. Yeah. So... Yeah, there's other things you can do. I mean, you can you can pay a bit extra. You can pay a premium, if you will, as the person wanting the appraiser and get a rush. Right. And a rush will, you know. And Sometimes we, it feels like a rush doesn't really speed anything up. Right. Is that but just I, me? I encourage rush <laughs> fees, though. Rush fees, <laughs> right. I encourage. I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll happily do this house in the morning <laughs> exactly. for $200. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I think what you probably are are explaining, though, is that this industry right now, over the last 36 to 36 months, has really been taking a beating with regards to, you know, the demand that's put upon us, the individuals that sit in the chairs that help fund the loans, um, qualify the loans, do the appraisals transact the the real estate uh even you know the pest inspector that's got to do the job you've got the house cleaner the home inspector it's nice you take a step back it's nice from uh like what that does to you know quote unquote gdp the economy Mm -hmm. but you know we're all human at the end of the day i mean you work a 12-hour day that's gonna be painful no matter how you look at it and i think what we have to realize is that uh, for most people, uh, when I say we, I mean those in the industry, for most of these people, this is the biggest thing that they deal with. Right. You know, sure, you've got people that have million dollar budgets or $2 million payrolls that can buy houses here in this county. You know, I'm sure the people mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, that are buying most of these houses, this is the biggest payment, the biggest asset, the biggest decision they're going to make. So it's very stressful. Right. Right. It is. And, and a lot goes into that. You know, I mean, I was there myself not that long ago where we bought our first house. And even though I work in the industry, it's still a, an, a very stressful, anxiety ridden process. Yeah. You know? I was as you were describing all the partners involved that, you know, to make a transaction go down, it was sort of reminding me of a escrow too, yeah. an unchoreographed dance where there's you have 10 people all in a room trying to copy each other you got one guy break dancing in the corner you got another guy waltzing and <laughs> yeah. then you got another guy slow dancing right it's, it's a very difficult process and you, you have to try to bring everyone together so that everyone's on the same page and ultimately you know the house closes and sure the people move in sure can't say enough about good communication in a real estate transaction uh we we are um as central coast lending you know we're we're not only dealing with refinances and purchases, but we're also uh, growing quite a bit. You know, our, our office has taken on new loan officers, um, mainly in the North County, and that has added a level of volume to us as well. Um, what I would say is the most uh, refreshing part about our growth is that it all just, you know, 
the industry is really here to stay. I feel like, you know, it's not just like a flash in the pan. I'd be interested to see, I'd be interested to like, listen to this show I'm having right now, five years from now and see where we're at. But if you look at historical rates, you know, from before 1980 to now, you know, the average rate is about, I think it's just over 5%. Dan, do you want to, do you want to check my, do you know the facts? And I think it's five and a quarter is the average interest rate we've had over the last 25 years. I want to say it's five and a quarter, but it, I would, I mean, normal 30 year fixed interest rates hover between six and 8%. Okay. So over the last 30 years, I mean, we've been in a downward rate environment for that long. Since the so. Carter boom thing. <laughs> yeah. It was like it, 18 or something. It's hard to say what the average is. Though what I would say, though, is that, you know, I feel, as we're kind of wrapping up the show, my, my opinion is that in addition with values more or less um, staying, uh, appreciating at a level that is not as quick as it has been appreciating, more like flattening, I feel like we'll see... Uh, interest rates stay in this nice little window between the definitely not as low as they are now, but from three and a half up to five and a half, because what we have now with these new guidelines, the appraisals uh, that are happening independently and this dance that you talk about, sure, it needs to be choreographed, but there's a lot of checks and balances and people aren't really getting houses that shouldn't have houses. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that the market now from where I stand and, you know, I always look at the economics of it. I feel like it's a good time to buy. You don't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't hold back because, Oh, I missed the big appreciation. It's not going to appreciate anymore. I think what's inevitable is that it's rent versus own is what you need to think about rent versus own and the long-term play of having a three and a half to four and a quarter interest rate on your mortgage is going to give you that stable payment for a long period of time. And what a, what an appraiser does for me is say, look, the value of the house is X. Okay. That's what you should buy it for. But truly when you step back, the value of what you're buying is, you know, you're buying what we talked about in the beginning of a show an asset, Dan, you know, that, that you grow over time that you pay down you're buying stability. You're buying a neighborhood, right? Yep. I mean, how many times do you get that notice like, hey, sorry, you're going to have to move out. We're selling our house or rent's going up or gosh, I'm, I know I really want to have junior in that school, but I've got to move over to that side of the, of the neighborhood. And that I think you can set, you can start combating those things mm -hmm. for homeownership a lot of what we're talking about today is numbers and value because you guys are on the show. But at the end of the day, purchasing a home has so much more um, qualitative right. value right. than the quantitative. And, and you touched on a really good point, if you don't mind, if I kind of expand on it. Please. The way the rental market has been, and, and I'm sure your listeners know this, and I know you guys do too, rents have gone through the roof. So now, with that said, you have to really weigh your options as far as, well, if I buy a home, here, what's my monthly payment going to be versus renting and all the benefits that, of course, you guys talk about this with your clients from, you know, taking advantage of the tax breaks and so forth. So the rents right now in this area are really, really high. Yeah. And it, and it almost makes more sense now that if you can get into an affordable property that 
you may be better off. And like yeah. you said, there's a lot of instability. I mean, I've had several friends who rent who've gotten displaced in the last year because of the owners decided we're going to sell our home. Sure. And then to add on about timing the market from a buyer's perspective, my wife and I bought our house in 2005. And if I'm not mistaken, that was pretty darn close to the peak. Yeah. And here we are now and we actually have, you know, of course I haven't appraised my own home, but but <laughs> right. I have a pretty good right. feeling that right. it's probably worth more than I paid for it in 2005. That'd be so weird, right? Like today <laughs> it's 617. Yeah, I feel Tomorrow. like that would be a daily practice yeah. of mine. <laughs> <laughs> I think we went up about three and a half dollars today. Yeah. yeah. Like Did you feel that? The, Did like you feel that? The stock market. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's I, I think those are two really important facts is, is, is the time the market is really tough to do. Yeah. If you like where you live and you want to stay here, I, I think now's a great time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and council is so huge too. you know, Dan, uh, Jason, you've heard Jason millions of times on the show myself. We all try to build a partnership with these borrowers, these new home buyers, whether you're refining, buying your second home an investment property or your first home, I think it's essential to come in and say, I had this meeting yesterday, right? So I could tell in the first five minutes that there's something they don't want to tell me, but they need to tell me. And you know, they're just kind of like not comfortable yet. And I took a step back right after, right after the gentleman was done speaking. I said, look, you guys, I want you to know that I work for you. You know, I'm not like, waiting for you to say the one thing that can't get you the loan. And they were like, oh, okay, well, here's this thing. Here's what we're worried about. And it was, it was quite frankly, a non-issue. You know, the, 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 the gal has done very well this year, uh, on with her earnings, you know, she's a, she's an employed attorney, but the first two years of her, uh, term with the company, she knows she was building a client base and, uh, now she's doing, you know, three times as much income as she was doing in 14 and 15. Okay. Well, that's understandable because we can explain that in a letter. You know, that's understandable in your industry that those things happen. And what am I getting at is that, you know, if you're sitting back thinking like, I need to time the market. I miss this wave. I'll wait for the cyclical drop. That's a fool's errand because you're never going to be perfect. Okay. And what happens if three years go by? And the values continue to tick at, let's just say, average 5% a year. But your wages don't go up. What happens then? Now you're not affording the house that you you would have appraised three years ago at 550. Now you're appraising it at 605, 550, you know, 615. And interest rates have ticked back up to 4.5. Well, your purchasing power is slowly but surely slipping away. We need to take our final commercial break of the show. You ready for that? I'm ready if you're ready. All right, let's do it. We uh, we do have just about 15 minutes left. It's kind of quiet out there in Radio Land, so I assume you guys are just soaking it all up as you enjoy your your morning here, um, which is great. We're happy to just talk and talk and talk because that's what we do. We're here for two hours every Saturday. Um, we're having a great conversation with Landon and Brad from... Ah, I should have been. STMJ. STMJ. I didn't want to get it wrong. <laughs> Give us one more chance. We have 15 minutes, Dan. We have 15 minutes. We're going to get it before the it's end of the show. It's yeah. only four letters. It's only four letters. When we come back, we'll wrap it up with uh, with those guys, and we'll uh, we'll all get on with our weekend and uh, and enjoy that. So stick around for the home stretch of Mortgage Matters. 
Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. As mortgage experts, we can help you refinance your home or investment property. We can lower your rate, shorten your term, or get rid of your mortgage insurance. Don't miss the opportunity to improve your financial situation. Call Central Coast Lending today. Buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Thank you for sticking around for more Mortgage Matters. Welcome back. It's uh, 1048. we got 12 minutes left. We're wrapping up the show with Brad and Landon from Schenberger, Taylor, McCormick, and Jecker. And I'd just like to say thank you, gentlemen, for coming on the show today. It's been great. Oh, you bet. Thanks for having us. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know, we we talk about rates. We talked about values. Uh we talked about, um, you know, the idea of why wait, don't try to time the market, get in here now. I'd like to finish kind of on a, a more uh, personal stretch. So you guys both live here in Slow. You guys work here in Slow. Tell me a little bit about how, like, when you moved to Slow and how you how you continue to live your life after the appraisals are done. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um... This is Landon, by the way. This is uh, me and my wife graduated Cal Poly. Um, we're both from the Central Valley, Fresno area. And, okay. Uh, we fell in love with this area, of course. Sure. Um, much we, greener. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> much greener, much more better views, uh, a lot more stuff to do. Uh, right. Yeah, we live in Grover Beach, really enjoy the area. And uh, I said, I appraised in the valley for two years right out of college and kind of got some experience in agriculture there and then um came here and i just find it a lot more enjoyable here a little more challenging here i'd say just uh kind of rolling hillsides and topography is a little different in a nice sure, way sure and um yeah we enjoy so landon are you tell me just quickly what do you specialize in at the firm um so i got my license my general license last year 
Um, and I've been specializing, I've been doing appraisal for five years. It takes about, I'd say three to five years to get the general license. It's kind of internship slash almost like an apprenticeship. Um, okay. But I'm trying to specialize in only agriculture, trying to stick with ag. Um, okay. We appraise ag from Monterey County down to Ventura County. Okay. So our, our, we have a variety of areas. Um, other than that, we do uh, industrial. Uh, okay. A lot in Santa Maria, a big industrial zone there. Okay. Um, You're off, working on that as well. Working on that as well. If ag slows down, um, let's say if we need to take on more jobs, we're not glad to take on industrial vacant land. Okay. Vacant land. If someone wanted to reach out to you because they had a specific need for these, how would they contact you? Um, the best is just calling our office at uh, 805-544-2472. Uh, again, STMJ Appraisers. Um, and then do you have an email? Yes, and my email is uh, lnordstrom at stmjappraisers.com. And then you can check out our website too. We have a full, um, you can see all of uh, our employees and kind of an overview of our company at uh, stmjappraisers.com. Perfect. That's perfect. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Andy. Yeah. And Brad, Glad to be here. you've been here, was it 2001? 2001 is, that... is okay. when I moved up here. Um, Great. My wife and I moved up here at that point, and uh, we came from San Diego and uh, more or less came up here to get into appraising. So I had had some friends who worked in the mortgage industry, and uh, they sort of talked me into it. And so I was lucky enough to work under the apprenticeship for a couple of different guys in the area who are appraisers and uh, eventually went out on my own for about 13 years. And then uh, since then I've been with STMJ for about a year and a half Okay, and, and mostly doing residential. That's pretty much what I've done. Sure. Um, probably on average two to 300 appraisals a year, give or take. Wow. And then um, in the last year and a half, I went to go work with uh, Schemberger, Taylor, McCormick and Jecker, STMJ. Um, mm -hmm to get into uh, commercial appraising, which is a whole nother apprenticeship and license leveling or uh, raising my level of licensing. Got it. Um, which is about a two to three year process, give or take of hours and classwork and so forth. Got so, it. So that's sort of where my head's at as far as um, this area is concerned. And, sure. and you know, one thing I'd like to mention um, that we didn't really touch on, but I, I think it's really important and becomes more evident in, especially to probably some of your listeners is to have uh, before the appraiser comes out, I would probably mm. recommend to find out where they're from. And that has been an issue. It's, been, oh, a interesting, hot, it's yeah. been a hot topic in the past because what we've seen um, specifically on the commercial side is, is we're getting a lot of appraisers coming out from the Valley or coming out from uh, LA, the Bay Area. Hmm. Um, and, and not to say that they can't or not competent to do the job, but I would say you probably have a better chance of finding a local guy. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a better option. And if you don't like the appraiser, you can request a new one. Yeah. You know, now, now that means if you don't like the value, you can't get a new appraisal just because you don't like the value. Sure. Um, but it has more to do with the fact of if you don't feel like the appraiser is going to be competent to, you know, assess your home and, and come at a, at a market value. Okay. So much like the food you eat, you should hire an appraisal within 80 miles of your house. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <Okay>. Exactly. <laughs> Good. There you go, people. 
the licensing or the the ramp up time to be an appraiser is kind of blowing my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of another job or industry where it takes two to three years to be able to go out and do a job. I, I can't think of one. So is I mean, it, that's got to play into the the aging population of appraisers mm-hmm. or why pe- new people aren't coming into the industry. Right. Is there mm-hmm. a solution there? Or is that, does that seem reasonable to you? Uh, well, from the, from an experience standpoint, I mean, I have to accumulate, I, I'm what they call a certified residential. There's four levels of licensing. So I'm, I'm the th- third highest Landon has a higher level license than I do. Um, to get from my license to his license, I have to, essentially interned for 2,500 hours, okay, which is, you know, full-time, 40 hours a week. You know, that's about 15 months, give or take. Okay. No vacations, you know. But um, but then in addition to that, we have 225 hours of classes we have to take. Um, the state exam, which is not easy. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. And, and to make matters even more difficult in the last, I believe it's six years, they've required... To get my level license, you have to have a bachelor's degree. I'm sorry, no. To get my license, you have to have an AA degree. So yeah. yeah, yeah. To get a generals, you I have read to that. have a bachelor's. I read that. And so you know that limits the number of people. Now a lot of people go to college and you know are qualified to get that. Sure. However, um, it's just another layer of things you have to do. Yeah. To well, and an I, th- I think about the employer side too. I mean, you've got someone who wants to become an appraiser and for two years, I can't imagine that you've got an apprentice just coming in for free for two years while no. they learn, they've got to be paid. So right. you've got someone who's apprenticing for two years getting paid, but isn't capable of, or isn't allowed to do all of their own work. Right. So there's a burden there on the employer. Correct. Um, yeah, it makes it tough. Which begs the question, is your firm looking for new appraisers to join right now? And are you, you know, is that something that you would want to take on? I would say, I'm, well, I'm not the person to be asking that question. However, right. I would answer, Good answer. it. <laughs> Landon's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that said, I... I I, I tend to think if you find the right person, you know, you're always open to it. So it's hard to find good people. And, and you guys know that. You run a business. So you find a good person who's got a good, you know, book of clients and they want to come work for you. You're like, yeah, come work for us. We'll make room for you. Um, and I think that's sort of our attitude. If we meet the right person that has the right qualifications that can add something that, you know, we don't have, then absolutely. You know, but you know that all starts out with phone calls and resumes and right. you know and, and evaluating them. Right. Forty-three years in business, the firm is uh, located right downtown on Higuera Street, thirteen oh six Higuera Street, San Luis Obispo. Um, you know, any appraisals that uh, I mean, we've got like three minutes left here. Any, just a quick list of the again the types of appraisals you guys offer. Um, we we do residential. We do um, date of death for properties that are in trusts. Um, we do uh, a marriage disillusion. Okay. You know, if you have two parties that can't agree, then, okay. you know, we'll come in, we'll settle. Uh, we do private party appraisals for uh, people that just want to know value. Um, we do consulting. Uh, we do uh, conservation easements. Uh, we do uh, mobile home parks. We do uh, commercial uh, am I missing anything, Landon? Uh, agriculture. 
Now you're you're covering it all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that I mean, really, I mean, question you got. It doesn't hurt to pick up the phone and 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 make a phone call and ask a question. Okay. Hey, Brad. Uh, really quick, your uh, best phone number to reach you and email for our listeners. Um. Well, you can call the office at five four four two four seven two. Again, five four four two four seven two. Uh, my cell phone number is usually the best way to get a hold of me, and that is area code 805-474-8228. I'll say that one more time, 805-474-8228. And my email is b-d-e-n-i-k-e at stmjappraisers.com. Great. Guys, thanks for coming on. As we wrap up, you know, here on Mortgage Matters, we... Always try to have great listeners, great content here for you. But during the week, Central Coast Lending, we're here to help you with your purchase transactions, your refis, the cash out loans we talked about today. Does it make sense to, you know, start the process, get an appraisal on your property, see what you can do? Um, please call us during the week to help you with that. You know, one number rings all of our offices. That's 543-LOAN, 543-LOAN. Also, check out our website. Dan and uh, Rachel in our office do a great job of publicating putting out publications of this type of content. That's centralcoastlending.com. Again, centralcoastlending.com. Thank you for being here today. And stick around. Oh, next week, more Mortgage Matters. We'll be back. Bye-bye.